Having a two-year-old is like owning a blender you don't have a top for. The quickest way for a parent to get a child's attention is to sit down and look comfortable. Um, This is from memory. If evolution is true, why don't mothers of young children have more than two hands? This one's for real. The neighbor said to Carrie the other day, You know you're old enough to be this baby's grandma. You should probably stop. (laughs) Can't make this stuff up. Did you bring your walker to church? Or are you, can you hear me? Um, this one I thought I should close the joke time with. Don't yell at your kids, guys. Don't, don't yell at your kids. Whisper. It's way scarier. All right, let's, let's close that down. I really like that one. And my dad scared us during church. He would like not say a thing and he wouldn't even like look at you. He'd be sitting there listening to the sermon and then all of a sudden your, his, his fingers would be on my ear and I'd be like, mm. <laughs> or he'd do the Vulcan death grip on the shoulder muscle or this whatever and I'd be like, that was a loud, silent parental moment. All right, this is a radical changing of gears. This is going to be more of a, like a very serious Sunday. Matthew 12, 46 through 50, the true family of Jesus. Jesus was speaking to the crowd and his mother and brothers stood outside asking to speak to him. And someone told Jesus, your mother and your brothers are standing outside and they want to speak to you. And he asked, who is my mother? Who are my brothers? And then he pointed to his disciples and said, look, these are my mother and my brothers. Anyone who does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and my sister and my mother. The true family of Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Church is family, and today is less of a regular service and more of a family meeting, both here in the service and then afterward After service, maybe 10 minutes after we dismiss, uh, here in the sanctuary, we're going to have a gateway family meeting to talk about some hard stuff that's happening. And uh, if you're a member, you're welcome to attend. If you're an attender who considers this your home church, you're welcome to attend. If you're a visitor, uh, we're not going to kick you out, but you might not enjoy it, okay? Okay. Just to be clear about that, that's happening about 10 minutes after service here in the sanctuary. Now for this part of the family meeting. The last year for Gateway has involved significant losses of people at Gateway. 
including leaders. And that has been difficult. Um, People like Dennis and Beth, Bob and Diane, Mark and Wendy, Gerald and Ruth, and others. And each one of these people who's left is precious and valuable. They've each left for their own reasons, different reasons. Um, But no matter why they've left, that affects us profoundly. At times, um, my wife and I, our pain in these losses has been so great that we don't know how to keep moving forward. So grateful for the voice of Jesus and the healing presence of the church body. And as part of the process, when people leave, we usually reach out to them multiple times, expressing our love for them, usually seeking understanding of their choices, and uh, looking inward to see if there's something we can do to learn or grow uh, in response. But more important than looking inward, I'm finding, is looking Christward in order to move forward with hope. Some folks left on good terms with blessing. We remain friends and relationships intact. And others left against our wishes, uh, but for reasons we don't affirm. And relationship has sometimes suffered through the process and uh, caused there to be awkwardness and pain when we, find them, uh, when we see them or hear from them. There's distance. This has been the single most painful aspect of church leadership for me is broken relationships. And I assume that it has probably been about the same experience for you. Gerald told me once before he joined the elder team that he thought I was as tough as nails. Things just don't get to me. I just keep plowing forward. But after joining the team, he learned up close just how sensitive and fragile I really am. Um, My assumption is we actually all are whatever brave face we put on. But I haven't always known, and we haven't always known as leadership team, how to talk to the church about these losses and about the process of grief that we go through. It's hard to know how to talk about it in public. On the one hand, we don't want to throw dirt on people as we process our own sense of maybe abandonment or betrayal, um, if that's what we're going through. And we don't want to talk about negative things so often in church that We cast a gloomy shadow over church life as though that's the only thing going on and God's really not up to much else other than just sadness and hard things. And truthfully, God's goodness is constant and God is at work and there are many things going on that are very positive and happy at the same time. But, my mom put it this way, denying other people's bad feelings actually intensifies them. Acknowledging their bad feelings allows their good feelings to return. We in leadership have had the opportunity to grieve together, to pray together, to question together, to process, to be messy, to be honest, to be vulnerable, to be submitted to each other, tell me what's true, tell me what's not. But we haven't known how to involve you in this process. And as a result, it probably has left some of you dismayed without explanations and left to wonder what is going on around here? Is there something secretly happening that's dishonorable or ungodly? What don't I know? I remember a gentleman back when I was a kid, I heard him say to my dad, they treat us at the workplace like a bunch of mushrooms, keep us in the dark and feed us 
some things there I won't repeat. (laughs) Perhaps some of you are feeling like mushrooms. Might Might be questioning after so many losses, like who's next? Is it even worth developing relationships with people around me? Like, are they just going to leave? The value of our corporate stock plummets emotionally. Like, in other words, is it a? Is it? Are you? Are you blessed to be a part of Gateway? That that can begin to even be in question in your heart. Then you can look at other churches and imagine they don't have these problems. But I know the pastors. They do. Someone recently actually told me something is wrong with us if all these people have left. Notice how vague that is. Non-specific, non-concrete. There's nothing to repent of or grow from. It's just something. Something's wrong with us. Something must, something's got to be. All these people can't be wrong. That sort of attitude then can kind of settle in and predispose you to focus on negatives. And if you focus on finding negatives, you'll find some negatives. And maybe you'll say, well, I'm going to fix this place, dang it. We're going to do this thing. We're going to make it better. But that kind of pain and frustration and anger, they're really not healthy long-term motivators for community action, are they? All, my, all this just to say that there are consequences of me and us under-communicating with you about these things. On the other hand, of course, over-communication might cause some people to check out from conflict fatigue. Uh, you know the person who, whenever you talk to them, there's always some late, late, you know, the most recent drama. And you're like, oh, here they come again. I think I'm going to turn down this hallway, you know. Uh, who honestly wants more drama in their life? Show of hands. Somebody must, because soap operas and reality TV is still very popular. But, like, you know, I don't know. But I don't. Uh, <laughs> Another thing that happens when we don't understand and when there's not an explanation is we leave these empty spaces and what I have found is that we have an enemy of our soul and an enemy of our purpose and an enemy of our house. And he loves to fill empty spaces. He loves to fill it with speculation and accusation. He loves that stuff. His name is the devil, which is the accuser, and accusing is what he does. He loves to whisper things. You couple that with just being a, in modern life. What year is this? It? like 2017, so... People go and leave churches. It's, I don't like it. But it is this way. People come to a congregation for a season and then they move on. I wish it wasn't this way, but we are an increasingly transient society. And churches feel this most of all because this is the place where people actually emotionally invest most of all. Bob Acoth told the joke about the man stranded on a desert island in the Pacific and he was found after years of living there and then his rescuers you know, came and he gave them a little tour of his, of his living space. And this is my house and this is the hut where I worship. This is my church. Oh, what's that hut over there? Oh, that's my old church. Terrible place. When people who have been deeply invested leave a church, it puts an end to this mutually shared commitment um, to this work of God. 
And if that mutually shared commitment to this common work of God is the basis of our bumping into each other and having relationship, then when they leave, it, it leaves us wondering, well, what is our relationship? And unless someone takes the initiative to redefine our relationship now that you've gone, again, the enemy will be the one speaking into that absence and silence plausible things that are not necessarily true or accurate representations of the other person's heart on both sides. I've also noticed that people who leave, even when we didn't want them to leave, often end up resenting us and feeling rejected by us. Oddly, that seems so like, wait a minute, but you're the one who left. Why are you feeling rejected by us? We don't want you to leave. We still want you to come back. I'm confused. What happened? Sometimes it's because they didn't get chased after the way they expected that they should have. But are you likely to get chased after when we're actually feeling like you don't want to be in relationship with us and clearly you obviously don't want... Do you understand? Yes. It's demotivating for us to keep... And yet they end up often feeling rejected. And sometimes our efforts to reach out are met with defenses and anger as they try to figure out how to rationalize abandoning covenant. I'm, I'm sorry we have to talk about this, family, but we have to talk about this. It gets into the murky waters of human motivations really quickly. Recently, several people left, but they left with total silence and didn't explain themselves to anyone. And I reached out and reached out and was kind of given a wall until finally I wasn't given a wall. I was given an explosion. I wanted to reach out so that the enemy couldn't fill the silence with lies like Tim doesn't care about you, Gateway doesn't love you, he only valued you for what you contributed to the church, your friendship was fake and you never knew it. So I reached out and reached out and reached out until the pain that was being concealed exploded. And I didn't know what to do with what they said, so I passed it immediately on to the elder team saying, sort this out for me. Tell me what's true. Tell me what's true. Because if I believe this, I can't live. If I believe what they're saying about me, who I am, I won't know how to function as a human on the planet. Uh, oh, I'm not saying this for you to feel sorry for me, Bunny. I'm trying to t- what I'm trying to explain is like how affected we are by things that we know come from someone else's pain. The team sorted things out, said this is not true, this is true. And even though I had the team telling me what not to receive as from the Lord, the team and my wife have told me, we have heard you say a lot of very negative things about yourself since you had that talk with those people. It's amazing how powerful our naming each other is. It's so easy to adopt accusations, both for others and ourselves. I've been wanting us 
as I think about this, that this is kind of a normal part of church life. It's been normal as long as I've been here, but it was also normal back in Kentucky. And guess what? It was normal up in Maple City Chapel when I grew up, and it was normal at Salome. It's like, are we going to read the tea leaves and realize that Jesus is going to require us to get really good at keeping covenant in the midst of a culture that doesn't know how to keep covenant? And that we better get really good at sending people away with a blessing and loving them and not setting up walls that shouldn't be there and closing the doors of our hearts. The way of the world is attack and withdraw. The way of the kingdom is we never attack and we never withdraw. So we better get good at this thing if we are going to be an embodiment of of the gospel. Communicate to those who leave redundantly to define the relationship, to go on offense and not be on defense, withdrawing. We don't go on offense to attack. How dare you, whatever. We go on offense to continue to love. We also need to acknowledge the pain of this process to each other. I... I plan on dying with a clear conscience. Not because I built up walls against hurt and didn't get close to enough people so that their lies couldn't get in me. That's not the way forward. But rather, by loving deeply, both in good times and in bad. I've noticed that our pain wants to rewrite our history. That's been my experience, and that's what I've seen other people do. You're bopping along in life, and then something hurts you. And then you have a second look back at your history and you reevaluate what is real and true in the past based on the hurt you're going through currently. So if Carrie ends up hurting me later, I'll, I'll go back in the past and go, How? I can't believe I was so stupid that she fooled me enough to get me to love her. She was always a wolf in sheep's clothing. I should have known better. I'll know better in the future how to discern what's the good egg and what's the bad egg and keep the bad eggs out and only let the good eggs in. I'll be more ruthless and more diligent to trust my discernment moving forward. And then you ask somebody, what did you learn during this season of their life? And they'll tell you nine things they learned and not one of them was taught by Jesus. So don't let your pain rewrite your history. And don't think that when hard things happen in your life that it's your fault for being too trusting or a bad judge of character. Don't do that. Just treasure the time you had with these people. Because they are a blessing. People make choices and you do not have to regret loving them. Good eggs and good sheep will still hurt you. Them hurting you doesn't mean they're a wolf or a bad egg. It does mean we're in the real world. (laughs) Your brain is simply trying to find ways to avoid future pain. That's what's happening. But your brain will construct a system that has you not obeying the commands of Jesus anymore. Are we making sense today? Yes. Okay. And I want to point this out. Leaving a church is not always bad. It's not always a violation of covenant. But anytime you break relationship or violate covenant to to, to leave, if Jesus leads you out of here, we will bless that and honor that. But here's what will happen. It'll hurt in a good way. Like when your kids get married and they leave your household and make their own. That's not bad pain, but it is pain. I'm talking about the bad pain where it's like, Screw you on the one side and then don't let the door hit you where the good Lord splits you on the other. 
That's not, that's not kingdom at all. By the way, that was a Kentucky quote. That's what, that's what my boss, boss's wife back in Kentucky, don't let the Lord split you. And I was like, that's clever and funny. The temptation, I'm moving to conclusions here, the temptation is to try to escape the potential of hurting ever again so we'll retreat from relationship and build up more walls and put more locks on the doors of our heart and distrust, distrust most and only love a few. And I'm saying to you today, Gateway, I'm not doing that. I'm not going to do that. We're not going to do that. Now, I can't control you. But I can say, let's go this direction. We're not going to do that. And in a few moments, the whole leadership team is going to stand before you. And I want to say, we are declaring to you today that we have kept the doors of our hearts open, both to the Lord and each other, and to those who've left, and to those whom the Lord is bringing to us. That's hard to do. When you've been burned a lot, you say, new people, sit on the bench for five years until I trust you. We don't want to do that here. Do we? This is the way of the kingdom. We acknowledge the temptation to put up walls and to arm ourselves with arrows for self-protection, but we knowingly want to reject those options Because walls become prisons and arrows end up wounding Jesus. Our real enemy is never flesh and blood. I will say this. Church is built on covenant. And we're in a culture that only knows contracts that are temporary. The gospel is God's covenant sealed with Christ's blood. Jesus has made us God's children, God's family. And what God has joined together, let no one put asunder. And we as a leadership team want to say to you that the only things that will cause us to separate from you physically will be death or Jesus calling us somewhere else. But we will never walk away from covenant with you. We're not going anywhere. Healthy relationships are built on trust. At this point, uh, elders, elder couples can come up. I'll read my last paragraph and then I'll hand the microphone to some other people here. Healthy relationships are built on trust. Yeah, I don't care if you're up or down. There's not room up here. Uh, if you say that, Austin's going to start tearing stuff down and building a bigger stage. So don't say that, you know. Am I right, Austin? Healthy relationships are built on trust. And trust is built by practicing vulnerability and giving people the freedom. You're right, this isn't a big enough stage. <laughs> to disagree. You hear what I'm saying? Healthy relationships are built on trust, and trust is built by vulnerability and the freedom to disagree. 
If you got people in your life that you're not free to disagree with, there's some manipulation happening. I've experienced environments where unity was thought to be protected best by uniformity and agreement, and control of the group was given to the most afraid, most distrusting, least emotionally healthy person. It doesn't work. It hasn't worked. This is not in my notes, but Gateway has suffered because as a leadership team, we have tried to do that. Not, 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 not wrongly. We've tried to honor a person who was wounded and be patient with their process, and it hurt the whole church. I don't know how to do this, guys. I desperately want to learn. Our team is committed to real friendship the kind of friendships that can lovingly correct each other and lovingly receive correction. Our team is committed not to being professionals who follow duly established protocols and present ourselves to the world in a way that makes everyone feel comfortable. Rather, our team is committed to our kids playing together, eating together, talking praying, singing, disagreeing, weeping, carrying each other's burdens, disagreeing well, I'll put it in that terms, and sharing until we understand each other's hearts so well that we can accurately represent each other's hearts to you, even when we're in the middle of a conflict. Have you ever seen that before? I hope you have. We're committed to giving and receiving counsel. We are a family within this family who is Gateway Fellowship. I have no words to express to you the measure of love that the Lord has given me for this little flock. Before I begin, when I took this role, I asked the Lord to plant me in one church for my life, my one life. You have my one life. May you prosper. We don't really have any order of whatever um, I wanted to stand up here because I wanted to be behind Tim and I want to represent that the support that we have for Tim and Carrie um, for the past uh, I don't know probably the past nine ten months or so as, as it seemed like we were experiencing a new exodus of leaving each time my heart was was grieving more and more, and it was a situation where I, I wanted to express and to reach out and console and comfort, yet how do you do that? Um, and I wasn't sure, and I'm so thankful for this opportunity. Um, leaving doesn't have to be normal. It can be good, and there are healthy ways in order to leave. But I, wanna, I wanted a chance to tell each of you that I love you each. I love, this, I love the people here. I love each one of you. And barring the Lord leading us somewhere else, I'm not leaving. And in the process, if he calls us elsewhere, 
We don't really know what the Lord is going to call us to, but if he calls us elsewhere, I won't be burning any bridges. I won't be stiff-arming. I will, I will do my utmost to, to maintain relationship. I won't disengage. You know, sometimes what happens is when, our, when we get wounded and we start... Lots of times you can know when someone's leaving long before they leave because they've already begun the process of disengaging. Because you have to disengage to protect your heart from the hurt of leaving. I won't disengage. I'm committed to you. I'm committed to this leadership team. I'm committed to Tim and Carrie. To all the things that he listed. Giving and receiving counsel. Being here. Providing a shoulder to cry on. To rejoice with you. To walk with you. To bring to this congregation whatever God has given me to bring. I am very hopeful at the same time of a year or two here of a new exodus and leaders leaving and people leaving and and the the hurt that that causes. I'm very hopeful for the building process, for the rebuilding. But but one thing I want to caution and encourage, in order to rebuild on a healthy foundation, you need to effectively fully release and get rid of the residue of the, of the hurt. And that involves forgiveness. And that involves letting go of offenses and wounds. So if you'll, if you'll pardon me, I want to walk us through some forgiveness if we can do that. I think we, are all, we all want to have a chance of talking and praying, but my, I, I find it's just best to let each of you talk with God rather than me talking to him for you, even though there's a place for that. So I just want you to close your eyes And I want you to ask him if there's anyone that you need to forgive that's left or that's broken relationship or hasn't maybe been up front with you. Whatever it is, is there someone that's left that you still need to forgive? Forgiveness is a process, and it involves just saying the words. That's the first step. So you can just say the words. And if you want to repeat after me under your breath or say, I don't really care. I choose to forgive this person. And I release them to you and ask that you bless them. And now if you could take the hurt that you feel, and if you could somehow hold it in your hands, I don't know. And I want you to look at Jesus. Jesus, I hand to you the hurt that I have been feeling and experiencing. And as I, as I hand to you this pain, what do you have in exchange for me? Papa, I thank you for healing of wounds. I thank you that you walk us through these journeys and that we're never alone. I thank you that you always want to take our hurts from us and give us stuff that we need. Stuff that will empower us. I thank you that the things that the enemy throws at us as a body that's meant to destroy us, that you want us to turn it around and use it to rebuild us. I thank you that we're never alone. Never, never alone. 
I was thinking about what to say, but I didn't really come prepared. But um, I think there's two things that are on my heart that I want you as a body to know. And the first is that back in 2009, when Becky and I were moving back from Texas and we were praying about where God wanted to place us, um, he led us back here. And there were, re- there were things that we asked and we're like, why? <laughs> and he didn't answer all of those clearly. We just knew we were to be here and to commit ourselves to you. And that hasn't changed. Um, in processing our friends who have left in the last year, the thing that keeps coming back to me is, I believe that God has spoken a word over this house. He has a purpose for Gateway Fellowship. And he's the one that is going to accomplish it. And I'm choosing to partner myself with his word and not let my feelings dictate who I am or how I respond. And so I commit myself to you because you are my friends and you are my family as well because he's placed us together. And I want to walk out what God has asked us to walk out and to become. And obviously, it's a learning process. You've seen leadership teams try and figure out how this looks. And I just want to say we're looking at Jesus to know how this looks. The thing that the Father's been putting on my heart in the last week or two, maybe a little bit longer than that, is the whole idea of, am I my brother's keeper? And when you say yes, you have to remember what all that entails. That means you won't judge them for what is their weakness. You won't despise them for those things. You also won't hold them so highly because of what you see that is good in them that when they don't measure up, you let them go. It's learning to say, I receive you as you are and I will choose to walk with you in whatever state you find yourself in and I will be faithful to what the Father shows me to do and who to be. And so I'm committing today to be your keeper You are my brother. You are my sister. God bless each of you. I don't know if you'll still feel that way. (laughs) I just feel the least qualified to be standing up here. And all that you guys are saying is like a stretch for me. (laughs) It's hard to be in relationship for me. It's hard to be in covenant It's hard to open up and allow the good things that God's done in me to be in public. (laughs) Um, And there are a lot of days I don't, I just don't know how to do this and I feel inadequate. And I guess, you know, everyone's saying, I'm committed to you. And all I can say is, I'm not going to walk away from what God started in my life. And this right here is part of that. (laughs) That's what I've got. 
Um, I'd like everyone to, to close your eyes. I want you to um, go back to the place when you um, first got saved, when you first met the Lord, when you, he, when you encountered him for the first time, when you, when you surrendered your life to him. How 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 were you in that in that place? Did you have everything together? Did you already have everything figured out? Did you come before the Lord and present yourself clean? Did you? No. We we come to Him as we are. He's the one who sets us free. He's the one who cleanses us. And a lot of times, walking in relationship, um, it's like that. It's hard. It's difficult. We're, we're all working on things together. And I, I've felt a really strong call from the Lord for a while to be transparent, to, over, like to, to declare that over this church, that we're, we're entering into a season we're going to be, not that we weren't before, but we're going to be purposeful about being transparent to one another and to, um, and to you folks and everything. Like we, and all of us as a body need to be completely transparent with one another. Because um, that's when the healing takes place. Is when we go. We we um, weak. I need help in this area. We pray for one another. We lift each other up. So, Father, I ask that you would teach us and show us and direct us how to be transparent all the time with our brothers and sisters, Lord. That your kingdom would come and your will would be done in our lives and through us that we would see what that what what it looks like when when you said Jesus that we would do greater things than even you did that we would walk in those things that we would see healings that that everyone that we pray for would get healed Jesus just like you so teach us father how to walk in transparency Give us courage to take the risk, to take the leap of faith. I ask that you would you would prick every heart in this in this congregation, Father, every believer, that you would you would continue to draw us to transparency, that you would help us to that the, the things that are in the darkness, that it would become agitated, Father. I ask that you would stir that stuff up and that you would get it out. That we would be a body that's that's whole, that's clean, that's healthy. And that represents you and your kingdom well, the way you deserve. There you go. <laughs> as, as a couple, um, Linda and I, we really do love you guys so much. Um, we'll be willing to pray with you guys anytime. Um, I don't even know what to say, but we do love you guys, and we won't. We are not going anywhere. Um, there's so many um, relationships um, sometimes in churches that we that we're closer sometimes than what we think. And sometimes when things happen, we don't quite really understand. And then, like Tim said, that's when the devil kind of moves in. And because John 10.10 says he comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But we know what the other part of the verse says, that he's come to give us life and give us life abundantly. So I just want to say that we're here for you guys. Um, Linda and I would love to pray for people and I just 
my heart goes out to you guys for maybe some of the things that you might hear um, today. And I just pray that God will protect your heart. And so we've been a, a part of this church for over 40 years. And uh, I know I've seen... A lot of people come. A lot of people go. People that Sue and I have been very much a part of leave. And it's painful. It's painful and it hurts. And yet, we are still here. We're still striving on and reaching out. I love to share the gospel. I love to be a part of my father's business. And his purpose and his will is to reach out to mankind and to bring them to his kingdom, to bring them to Jesus. And he says in John chapter 6, and when the Father brings them to him, to entrust them to him, he said, I will never cast them out. That's the business that I want to be doing, the ministry with my Father. And I know that when people are about his business, Their eyes are focused on his son and what he is doing and a lot of other this stuff that causes problems within the body of Christ disappear. It did in my life, and I found freedom. I found freedom, and it's about doing his business. I encourage you, I encourage you to be about your father's business about the love of Jesus Christ and his love for mankind. Fix your eyes on him. He's the lover of your soul. He loves you deeply, deeply loves you. And he wants to set you free. He wants you whole. You're seated in heavenly realms with him. You are his sons and daughters. He wants to hold you. He wants to love you, and he does. Love has always existed, and it'll never end. That's what the Father's made of. That's what he's made of. We're staying here. As long as this church is here, we're here. I wasn't going to say anything, but... um... Just to say, I love you guys so much. And um, like Tim said, I think the other week. Oh, it's okay. Can we take this one? Um, no, it's fine. Um, this particular journey has been, has had a lot of pain in it, but it's also had a lot of good. And the other thing I wanted to say was that um, the other thing that, 
I've learned along the way is that people are messy, relationships are messy. They just are. They just are, and that's not bad. And we're committed to the mess and know that's part of the deal, and we want to walk with you through those things. And um, it's our honor. Lord, we just thank you. We thank you, even in the messy times. We thank you in the good times. Because we know in both of those times, you're going to prevail. Your love is going to prevail. Your joy is going to prevail. Your strength through us is going to prevail. Lord, we pray that we're going to be a real church to this world. We're not going to be a robotic church to this world. We're not going to shove the pain down. We're going to let it rise. We're going to deal with it. We're going to allow you to heal it. We pray and commit to you that we're going to do our best. We're going to love on each other the best way that we can. We're going to lift each other up the best way that we know how to. Thank you for this body. Thank you for every single one that's here. Because without them, it wouldn't be the same. Lord, as we go on with this day... We just thank you for your presence. We thank you that you're loving us and surrounding us with your arms and you never, never leave us. We love you and everything that we do in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So here's what I want to do. I want to dismiss the service proper and say in about 10 minutes we're going to convene uh, the Gateway Family Meeting, Part 2, the little bit more uh, intimate thing. If, you, if this triggered emotion for you, if you need to talk, every single person on, on, in front of you here, we are happy to hear your feelings and thoughts. We're here for you. Love you guys.